If you like it, then you should have put a render ring on it. (laughs) (laughs) You're listening to This Month in View, produced by View Mastery. I'm Greg Pollack. I'm Adam Jar. And I'm Ben Hong. And in this episode, we're covering the top stories from November 2019. It's one thing to work through a tutorial and quite another to read through a case study of an application in the wild, looking through the architectural choices and how the pieces fit together. This is why I want to mention Krudi Patel's post on why Nuxt is the perfect framework for building static websites. Krudi walks you through how she used Nuxt to build a highly interactive animation-heavy website with good performance. So what are some of the benefits of using Nuxt for the application that she creates? Well, she shows how you don't have to configure any routes in Nuxt. You just place the files in the pages directory. Also, how Nuxt takes care of server-side rendering on initial load and has routing validation, application configuration, SEO support, and Nuxt modules all built in. So which Nuxt modules did this project use? Yeah, she used Nuxt i18n for adding content in two languages with minimal configuration, PWA for registering service workers, Markdown it for writing content in Markdown, Sitemap for creating the sitemap.xml, and finally the Google Analytics module. When developing an app as a team, especially a large enterprise app, it's important that your team is on the same page about how the app ought to be developed from an architectural perspective. Thomas Holland recently shared how his team has approached building their app using a domain-driven architecture. And in this case, what is he talking about when he says domain-driven architecture? Yeah, so by domains, we're really talking about the categorical sections of the app, the different feature-related territories, if you will. So for example, if we were building a social media app, one domain would be the homepage, another would be the profile, then settings could be another with an app domain to put more globally useful pieces of code. So architecturally speaking, each domain would be its own directory? Exactly. You have a folder for each domain, and as Thomas laid out, his team includes subdirectories within those domain-level folders for things like the resources that domain depends on, the model for that domain, which may be using Vuex, and a UI folder, which would contain the components necessary to present and interact with that domain's data and resources. And how's it worked for Thomas's team? He says it's helped them achieve a mutual understanding of what their code base and the relations within it should look like. And everyone is on board and feels at home when working on the project, which is what the intention was. Lately, there's been a lot of talk about Vue3's composition API. And while there have been many examples that have been used to illustrate the benefits of it, Matuz Ripchenek recently wrote an article on CSS tricks on using the Composition API in a real project. Mm, nice. And was he using the Vue 2 plugin or the Vue 3 alpha code? He was using the Vue 2 plugin. And in the article, he shows the complexity involved in his application and how he uses the Composition API to break it up into individual functions so that his application is much easier to understand and follow. And if you want to learn more about the Vue 3 Composition API, be sure to check out Greg's Vue 3 Essentials course over on ViewMastery.com. It is now complete and binge-worthy. Setting up server-side rendering using Webpack with Vue on your own can be a confusing process. And this is why a lot of people use Nuxt. Yeah, Nuxt comes with all you need for server-side rendering all set up and configured for you. However, sometimes you may want to set up server-side rendering on your own. Like maybe if you need a simpler setup or more control than what Nuxt gives you? 
Right. And there are a few reasons you might want to roll your own. And in earlier November, Oleg Pisklov wrote up an article walking you through how to get production-ready view with server-side rendering in five simple steps. He leads you through setting up Webpack, creating application entries, running Express Server with Bundle Renderer. That sounds weird now. <laughs> bundle Renderer. 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 <laughs> also, <laughs> setting, up, <laughs> setting up the development environment. And finally, using Server Prefetch when you want to get data from the server while it's initializing. Check it out if you want to roll your own server-side renderer erring. <laughs> <laughs> if you like it, then you should have put a render ring on it. <laughs> You've been hearing a lot about Vue 3 from us and the rest of the Vue community, but we figured with all the information floating around, it would be helpful if we gathered all the best Vue articles, tutorials, videos, and podcasts into one resource. So this week we published that list as a blog post over at Vue Mastery called The Top Ways to Learn Vue 3. It's a comprehensive guide that points to the best learning resources and provides a summary of what to expect in each of them. So if you want to listen to more Vue 3 related podcasts, read through some tutorials, or check out the official Vue.js roadmap for Vue 3, this guide has you covered. So Greg and Adam, if I were to ask you what you think the most important feature in Vue.js is, what would you say? Reactivity. Or is it, it maybe renderer? -er? The renderer? -er -er? <laughs> the rendering renderer? <laughs> the reactive re renderer? -er. <laughs> well, according to Michael, it's computed property. Oh, those, so close. Those are reactive, though. Yeah, I guess it's uh, the same. I mean, I guess you have close. partial credit. We weren't wrong. <laughs> so why the computer property specifically? Well, according to Michael, computer properties allow you to write code declaratively. And for those who constantly confuse imperative versus declarative code, in his article, he has a great analogy with cooking pasta and how imperative cooking would require you to explain every detail down to how to fill the pot with water, how to boil the water, and so forth. Whereas most of us deal with declarative cooking, which is where the recipes provide what the end goal is and we figure out how to get there. Example, boil pasta till al dente. I prefer declarative pasta myself, <laughs> um, but uh, how does this relate to Vue? The reason we love Vue so much is because it takes care of all of the implementation details for us without any additional instructions. For example, when we loop through a data object with v4 on a computed property, we can have confidence that Vue will ensure that the list will be updated whenever the dependencies change. As a result, we get code that is more concise while also being easier to understand. To get the full explanation, be sure to check out his article. Tailwind CSS keeps gaining more popularity in the world of CSS frameworks, especially in the Vue community. That's the utility-first CSS framework, right? I think by that, they mean it gives you the building blocks to create custom designs without having to override opinionated styles. But because it provides so many utility classes, its file size is quite large. However, in Marcus Oberlander's new tutorial, he walks through setting up Tailwind in a Vue app while using Purge CSS to greatly reduce the bundle size. Hmm, that's great. Are there any conscious with that to ensure Purge CSS doesn't remove stuff it shouldn't? Yeah, good question. So Thomas shows you how to adjust your components to avoid accidental code removal. And also this tutorial is part one. In part two, he shows you how to build reusable functional components with Tailwind. So check that one out as well. As many of you know, we have been waiting for Vue 3 for quite some time. You might even say we have been in suspense. <laughs> I'm certainly excited for the suspense. <laughs> Wait, uh... uh... Is this, is this your way of trying to make a joke about the Vue 3 suspense feature? What are you talking about? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I'll just wait here then. <laughs> no, Greg's right. What I'm talking about is the cool new suspense component that's coming in Vue 3. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to sit here wondering about it. 
<laughs> and I don't need you to tell me because I'm just good for wait. I'm good waiting. Good waiting. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You're using the content component. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> The suspense component is a new pattern that will allow you to suspend the rendering of a component. In other words, when we need to wait for data to come back from asynchronous operations such as API calls, rather than simply displaying a blank screen to users, we often need to come up with our own solutions for scaffolding some sort of loading state while waiting for the data to come back. With the suspense component, however, this will allow us to provide fallback content to the user so that they can see something while waiting for the data, and when the data arrives successfully, it will handle the switch to the new component. Pretty convenient. So this is kind of like a built-in view standard way to provide loading content while we're waiting for data to return. Yeah, it almost seems like a directive, like you would put like a v-weight on a component. Oh, wow. That's neat. Yeah. To have a standard way to do it. Yep, absolutely. That way we don't all have to write our own from scratch. Mm -hmm. Sounds nice. For some code examples, be sure to check out Philippe Rakowski's article in the show notes. The full program for ViewComp US has been posted, and the View Mastery team will be there in Austin, Texas in March. You can get a discounted ticket by using the coupon code ViewMastery50, all one word, to get $50 off a ticket. What are some of the talks that you're excited to hear? Well, Damien Dulish will be there speaking on validations with a composition API. Alec Barrett will be speaking on how the digital teams at MSNBC and NBC News created a view app to display the election results in advance of the 2018 elections. And Jack Kappa will be showing how his team at Politico uses TypeScript with Vue. I'm really looking forward to all those talks. And what if you can't travel to the U.S. for ViewConf? Then you wait in suspense. <laughs> and eat your declarative pasta. <laughs> While you wait. And wait, for it to, and wait for the video surrender on our site. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Or you can check out View Amsterdam in February. It's one of the biggest view conferences in Europe. The speaker lineup is posted and tickets are now available. Thanks for listening to This Month in View. We'll see you next month. You can wait in suspense for the next episode. Bye-bye. <laughs>